Praise you, Jesus. You may be seated. I will add my welcome to each of you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. It is always good to see your beautiful faces. And uh, I hope that um, today you realize the goodness of God. Some of those songs, some of us can relate to more than others, depending on where you are in your, in your life at this moment. Some of us feel bound, and we can't relate to he set me free. Some of you have literally, God has broken you out of bondage, and you know exactly, you know exactly what, that, what that's talking about. And so today, wherever you are, this message you'll be able to relate to, whether he's already done it for you or whether you'll be able to partake of it today. And so I'm going to share a story with you. I like stories. Uh, if you've been around me long enough, you know I like stories, and I tell stories. And some of them are funny, and some of them are stupid, and some of them, you know, whatever. But I like stories. And uh, so today I'm going to kind of I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to start with a story, and then we're going to kind of pot shot some different verses. And... and uh, Hopefully we land in the right place. Y'all pray with me this morning. Uh, but I'm going to share a story with you, and I'm going to talk about God's plan for you and I. All right? So remember, this plan is for everybody. Nobody's exempt. Steve did a beautiful job last week of preaching. We talked about the work that God started before the earth even existed. Isn't that profound? I mean, I don't know if you, you thought about that verse throughout the week when you just you think about all the plans that God had in place long before any human existed. God was planning on our behalf. So I'm going to pick up with a particular, particular group of people today uh, that God had, well, just the sentiment of the song we just sung. God had a plan for. He was going to set them free. And from there, we're going to jump and see how that, how that applies to us. And so I'm going to pick up it's a popular story in the Bible. I don't always want to assume that everybody uh, knows these stories. I know as church folk, we kind of know these things, especially the popular stories. But I'm going to tell a story this morning about the children of Israel. They were God's chosen people, and they were in bondage in Egypt. See how the song fit? They were in bondage in Egypt for 430 years. How many know 430 years is a long time? Yeah. And it wasn't no cakewalk, right? They were you know, beaten and brutalized and hard labor. And, and they had been crying out to God and crying out to God. And finally, God said, enough. I'm ready to bring my people out. And Pharaoh was the big, bad king of Egypt. And he was ruthless. You go back and read. You go back and read in the book of Exodus. You read this story. I can't tell it all to you today. But you go back and read. And Pharaoh was ruthless. Make them bricks, I don't care how you got to do it. I don't, that, that, don't let that quota fall below what I said. You know, work. And he didn't care anything about the children of Israel. And their cries came up to the Lord, and the Lord said, it's, all right, it's on. I'm about to deal with this. Now, Pharaoh was powerful. In fact, Egypt was probably the greatest empire on earth at that time. He was powerful. But I'm telling you, when God intends to set you free, he will pull out all the forces. You hear me? And I'm telling you, when God pulls out his forces, there's no match for him. No big, bad Pharaoh, no big, bad problem. I want you to think about the issues in your life that are big, that you might feel like they're controlling you in your life. There's, there's no match for God. I'm talking about God brought down plagues after plagues after plagues. And he, he brought crazy stuff, you know. He turned their water to blood. Who does that? 
right? But he's got power. Turning water to blood. I mean, he, he rained down frogs. You know, it was in their beds and in their food. It was everywhere. He rained down, you know, all kind of bugs and, 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 and you know, the, the, the pestilence and boils all over their bodies from the head, you know, from the, the, the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. I mean, nasty stuff. You know, he ran. Oh, yes. So sorry, Leonard. Hang on. Got a little amplification here. All right. Uh, yeah, um, locusts. No, we just had this, this past, was this, last, this past year we had the, this was the year for the cicadas and all. And, and you know, we had, you know, we were in awe with what we saw kind of sweeping through. I mean, they had locust times a thousand. There was locusts everywhere. Nasty stuff. Uh, you know, and then there was darkness. Okay, God that controls the universe brought about darkness. And the darkness was deep because the darkness only fell where the Egyptians were. Isn't that right? And over here where God's people were, there was light. Picture that. that that's pretty incredible stuff. Right? Again, we read these stories and we know, you know, I like to let them play out in my mind and envision like how that happened. Pharaoh's knees should have been knocking. Right? His advisors were and his people, they were like, oh my goodness. Because, you know, they, they thought they knew gods. They had multiple gods. They thought they knew gods before our God showed up. And then suddenly it was like, whoa. But not Pharaoh, he was a knucklehead. Right? He was a knucklehead. He, he, you know, he, he just, he was relentless. You know, I don't know whether it was pride or stupidity or what you want to call it. You know, but the scripture said pride comes before fall. Oh, yeah. If it was pride, which it probably it most likely was, well, he was ready for the fall of his life. It was on. And then you think that'd be enough, right? You know, if, if, if I'm on this side of the block and my block is light and across the street is utter blackness, you got me. What you say, Lord? Right? <laughs> What's your name? Right? I want to know who you are. I want to follow you. When you got that kind of power. But no, not Pharaoh. He still had a hard heart. So God said, okay, I'm going to touch you where you live, so to speak. And God said, I'm going to bring about death. I'm going to send the death, at the death angel, and it's going to take out all the firstborn uh, in every household. Except, and this is where I'm going to pick up in the story except they follow his instructions. When I say they, I mean the, the Israelites, God's people. So God says that he's going to strike Pharaoh in the land of Egypt with one more blow. And we're going to pick up in that story in Exodus 11. We're going to pick up at, at verse 4. And it says, Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. And all the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest ser servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. That's pretty scary. Everything God said prior to this had happened. Not one thing that God said before failed. And he tells Pharaoh this, and Pharaoh still hardens his heart. Then a loud well will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a well like no one has heard before or ever will again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And all the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry and take all your followers with you. 
Only then will I go. So then Moses left in burning anger. Moses was hot. He just dropped that on Pharaoh and said, okay, that's it. You know, I can imagine Pharaoh, Moses just stepping off saying, I'm bringing it, meaning through God. So let's go down to Exodus 21. Let's see what actually played out. Uh, Exodus 12, 21. It says, then Moses called the elders of Israel together and said to them, go, pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood in a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it in the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of your door frames of your houses. And no one may go out through the door until morning, for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants will observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And, through, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. That was an awe moment. That death that was going to come could affect all people. Notice it could affect the Israelites also. But God said, if you do what I'm telling you to do, if you slaughter that lamb and you put that blood on the, the sides and the top of your doorpost, I'm going to pass over. And the people were in awe and they worshiped. That's what happens when you, when you acknowledge the power of great God. It brings you to a place of worship. And it turns out that a more permanent plan for this people, for God's people to live, was in place. Right? They, were, they were facing a temporary enemy. You know, Pharaoh and the Egyptians were a particular people. There was a, a, a temporary situation happening there. And before the Egyptians came into bondage, that was an issue that plagued all mankind, right? Egyptians included, Israelites included, all people. And that issue was sin. Sin brings about death. And so even though at this moment when God was bringing the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, you know, there was this temporary Passover, if you will, those Israelites lived. Eventually, they want to die. We all got to go to the grave at least once. And so this plan that God had put in place long ago, we saw the, sort of a, a temporary snippet of that with the Israelites here. And they, they had survived this temporary brush with death through their obedience to God's instructions and by applying the blood of the lamb uh, to their doorposts. And, and the death angel had to, had to pass over. That would have been pretty cool to see. I know we've seen some, some animated movies where they kind of depict that. But the threat of eventual death for all mankind still loomed heavy. Right? It'd be nice if that would have just done it, right? The Israelites, woo, hey, you know, I'm good. I'm going to live forever. But that wasn't the case for the Israelites or, or anybody else, any other humans at that time. We all must die. But our great God who loves each and every one of us so much, he was very much in control as he is today. 
Again, I'm harking back to Steve's message. Before the foundation of the world, he had a plan in place. In fact, I'm going to go to you, going to jump all the way to the New Testament. There's a whole lot of time that passed between that. It's going to get your mind thinking about that blood that was applied and that lamb that had to be sacrificed and that, and that literally had to be applied. It was no good to slaughter the lamb and, and just leave the blood where it was. That blood had to be applied. It had to be applied to be effective. So Matthew 1 and 23, so, so we fast forward like thousands of years. It's a long time that's passed since then. And, the, and the, the prophet had foretold this. It says, look, a virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we know this. We all talk about the Christmas story. He's saying, sister, you're giving us a Christmas story, and it's not even Thanksgiving yet? <laughs> this is one that's popular, right? This, this is a popular story in Christianity. We know that, that Mary conceived, and the, and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her womb, and, and she conceived the child, and and this was a fulfillment of this prophecy, and this child is very important in this plan. I'm talking to you, to you who've been here a long time as if you don't know, and if you're new, I'm going to follow me. This child in God's plan was very important. So true enough, what God said through that prophet happened. God himself came in the flesh to rescue you and I once and for all. No more temporary business. His plan was to rescue us once and for all. And he told Joseph to name that child Jesus. God saves. God is consistent. Now, this is a, this is a really great story. You, you have to go and read it in detail. He said, go read the Gospels for yourself. Read it for yourself in detail. Lots of interesting plots and plot twists and, and characters. And, and one of these characters was Jesus' cousin. It's kind of funny to think of Jesus in those terms, having cousins and things like that. But Jesus has cousins. He had, he had at least one. And his name was John the Baptist. And John had a unique calling. He was this wild dude, you know, with this camel's hair get up on. And, you know, he ate locusts. He might have he liked the locust thing happening. You know, John was wild. But he had a particular calling in his life. He was to be this forerunner for Christ. He was to be this, he was the one that was going to tell of Christ's coming. And he was the one that was going to baptize uh, this baptism of repentance, another temporary holdover. And John was radical and bold, and, you know, John, you didn't want to meet John. John didn't hold his tongue. And one day John was doing just what he was supposed to be doing. He was baptizing people in the, with the baptism of repentance in the, in the Jordan. And John's baptizing, and he knows about this. He's the one been telling people. The one that comes after me is preferred before me. He's greater than me, right? He's going to baptize you with fire in the spirit. So, so John is, is, is telling about the one that's come. Don't get hung up on me, right? But look for the one that is to come. He's the one that's going to bring about salvation for you. So one day John is, is baptizing, and John 1.29 picks up the story. and says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. So John recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God. John was pumped. Nothing like when you've been preaching about something and, 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 and you actually see it being, being fulfilled right before your eyes. And um, so, so, so John's, I, I lost my train of thought here right here. Sorry about that. So 
John, is, John knows how powerful Jesus is, right? He's, he's been, again, he's been the one talking about this Jesus coming. And this salvation, think back to what happened with, with the Israelites in, in Egypt, right? This, this temporary salvation was about to be transformed. Jesus was going to do this thing once and for all. And so this uh, Jesus coming on the scene was really important because, again, he came to do a specific thing. John had a particular call. Jesus had a particular call. Right? Jesus literally came to not only free us from our temporary enemies, from the temporary things that we face, but he came to free us from death. From death. Now, Jesus would go on to call disciples and preach, and he would teach and surrounding, in the surrounding areas, and he healed people, and he blessed them. And so everybody knew in Jerusalem that there's something, something was different about this prophet, which is what they kind of referred to. Something was different about him. He had power like they had never seen before. And, uh, you know, the religious folk, I call them the haters, you know, they didn't like Jesus. I'm sure if it came down to them preaching over here and Jesus preaching over there, all the people would be over here with Jesus. They had a problem with Jesus. They, they did not like him. And so they, they had a plot to kill him. We're going to take this Jesus out. We don't like things he's preaching. We don't like the power he has. We don't like him. And the funny thing is, that was part of Jesus' plan too. They played right into his hand. <laughs> he wanted them to carry out these things. Again, that plan that was, that was hatched before the foundation of the earth. It was all in Jesus' control. So these haters were playing right into Jesus' hands. And so Jesus was exactly what John said he was. He was the Lamb of God. And he had this perfect sinless blood that was necessary, that, that needed to be shed, that we could apply it to our lives so that death would pass over us. You should be getting excited by now, right? It wasn't a temporary thing just for them. No, God said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice my perfect sinless blood, the only blood that can do the trick for eternity, that you and I can apply to our lives so that death will pass us over. You know, there's one thing, there's another scripture that says that, you know, the, the first death is one thing. We don't have to fear the first death. It's the second death. I'm talking about that spiritual death that, that is, that's important. Every one of us, unless we happen to be in a generation that when the rapture takes place, we're living and we get caught up with him together. Every other generation, every other person, we got to go by way of the grave. We all have to die once. It's the second death. That's, that's the issue. So Jesus, bound for the cross, bound to uh, stay to his plan that he had in place. He was beaten. He was brutalized. He was eventually crucified. And when he died, this is what happened. Let's pick up in Matthew 20, 17. This is what happened. Matthew 27, 50 says, this, this is Jesus on the cross now. He's, he's been through it, you know. Thorns on his head, black back flayed open, beaten, brutalized, spit on by his beloved people that he's coming to save, right? Even those that brutalized him, even those that, that called him all manner of things, even though even them he died for. So today, if you're thinking what he did didn't apply to me, if you're thinking that whatever you did in your life or however you feel about yourself, you think you're exempt from this grace that God has, you are not. Let me tell you that you are not. Even those that hung him on the cross had an opportunity. His grace is for each and every one of us. This blood that he shed at Calvary is for each and every one of us. So then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. 
And the moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, the earth shook and rocks split apart and tombs opened. Anybody ever read that? That's in Matthew. The tombs opened and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. It's like some kind of zombie apocalypse going on. I, I mean, I, just picture being in Jerusalem at that time, right? This, this great prophet, as they call him, this, you know, and obviously there were many who recognized him as God. He's hanging on a cross. I mean, you know, if you had all that power, if you had all that power and somebody's beating you and somebody's brutalizing you and dragging you through the streets of Jerusalem and you got to carry this cross and somebody's putting nails in, don't you think you would have used that power by now? I would have smoked some mugs. I know I couldn't have been. That's one of my favorite words in the Bible, smoking. I love the Old Testament. He just smote them, Right? Just Jesus just took him out. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I got to go to that cross. I am the lamb who was slain from the foundation. I am the lamb who's bringing about salvation. I love these people. Even you who putting this nail through my hand, I love you. I'm willing to take one for you because I'm going to shed my blood that you can apply to your life. So when death comes, it'll pass over. It'll pass over. And so he endured that cross. And he died, and, and again, we see, I don't, this, this was a weird thing right here. I don't even know how this looked in Jerusalem. I don't know how there was not a believer left in Jerusalem. Okay, this man dies on the cross. He cries out, and the earth shakes, and rocks split, and tombs open, and dead folk get up. You're reading with me, right? I'm not making this up. 53 says that he left the cemetery. I'm sorry, wait a minute. They were raised from the dead, and then Jesus left. Wait, 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 let me stop. Let me slow down. I'm getting excited here. <laughs> I got to take a breath. This stuff excites me. Right? I'm just picturing this. Let me calm down up here, right? Wait, they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem. The dead folk. That's now arisen. We're talking about the power of God, right? I'm telling you today that God has authority over death is what I'm trying to tell you, right? Long story short, he's got authority over death. When he went down into hell, some things happened. He took those keys back, and them folks came up, and they went, I don't know. I, I picture them kind of showing up in, you know, maybe I watched, you know, back in the day too many zombie movies, but, you know, whatever. Very much like, a, and they walked, and people saw them. How do you not believe when you see that kind of authority? How do you not believe? And they appeared, it says, and they appeared to many people. Right? This thing wasn't done in the dark. It wasn't like they just came alive in their, in their grave and just laid there. No, they came up and they came out and they walked and people saw them. Let me tell you something. I've been the first one. What would you say his name was? Right? right? How do I get myself right with him? I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to get right. When you see that kind of power and authority, you want to get right with this God. You want, mind you, this was all for the love of us. There was no ill motive here. He wasn't trying to bring about anything. This was for the love of you and I that he endured that cross. I'm telling you, it was horrible, the death that he suffered, for the love of you and I. Don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out for his blessing. He took it for you. He took it for me. Oh, but early one Sunday morning. I remember some roots right now. I'm going to have to say early one Sunday morning. Now, mind you, he himself has died. This stuff is happening. He's... He's dead, they're risen, they walked into the city and showed themselves to the people. But three days later, so for three days he stayed in that grave. And Matthew 28, 1 says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and, her, and, uh, and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. They're thinking Jesus is still there. 
I wonder if they had seen some of them dead folks walking through Jerusalem. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just imagining here. But they expected him to still be in the tomb. So they went out to see. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning as his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a deep, I'm sorry, they fell <laughs> into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Just as he said he was. He is risen from the dead. If he can rise other people, why do you think he can raise himself? What you looking here for me for? But, but just like he said, well, that's how we do, right? We, we, you know, we got to see things for ourselves. No, he is risen. So, yes, Jesus conquered the grave. He shed his blood. He was the Lamb of God indeed to shed his blood so that you and I don't have to fear death. You and I can be resurrected as well. And after he was resurrected, he spent 40 days. So, so think about that. There's other parts of the story we don't think about. Jesus wasn't just resurrected, showed himself alive, and then ascended up to the cloud. He spent 40 days. Think about that. Where was the haters then? I call them, I call the Pharisees and, and the other ones that didn't like, you know, I call them haters. Y'all got to work with me. Where were they then when he was walking around? He spent 40 days talking and teaching his disciples, giving them further instructions. I think that's very, very deep. And before he ascended up, Matthew 28, 19 says, well, hang on. Tina, because I wanted to switch those, didn't I? All right, let's go to Mark 16 first. And this is what he told them. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But everyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Jesus had made that blood available, right? He was the perfect lamb of God who shed his blood on Calvary. And you know how we get that blood applied? We're not the Israelites running from a Pharaoh or from a death angel. We are God's people now who are looking to be saved. I'm going to use the language from the scripture right here. You know how we get the blood applied? In baptism. The blood applied in baptism. Right? I took the liberty this morning to warm it up. I'm just saying, the just walk by faith. Right? <laughs> right? I, 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 I made an assumption today that we, want, we all want to live. How many of you want to live? Who doesn't want to live? Right? God said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It would have done the Israelites no good. I'm sure there was a few knuckleheads in the bunch who thought, I don't have to put that blood on my doorpost. I don't have to do that. That's just silly. Why should I have to do that? You know, God has done all this for us before. Think about that. Think of all the things that God had done before that, all the plagues he had rained down on them and the darkness and, the, and turning the water, all those things he had done to, to rescue them before that or to, or to show his power to the Egyptians before that. And so this is silly. There's always that rationale in the bunch, right? And I get it, because sometimes spiritual things are kind of hard to understand, so I'm not beating up on anybody. I get it. I'm sure there was probably somebody, and the story didn't capture it, who said, eh, you know, I started a lamb, it's good. I don't got to put that on my doorpost, and was taken out. 
It's always that person, right? But I hope that in this room today that you choose to live. God did a great thing to make that blood available that you can apply to your life so death will pass over. You know, there's those, those, those great scriptures that we, that we always read at funerals, right? Uh, one of the favorite ones, and it kind of gives all of us chills, right? You know, we're, we're in 1 Corinthians, it says, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Well, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the, of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we love that verse, right? Because that verse tells us that the grave won't hold us. It's a temporary thing. But when that trump sounds and when it's time for the saints to get up out of here, those of us that have the blood applied to our life, we're going up with Jesus. That's no fairy tale. I, I said I was going to tell you a story, but don't mistake, this is not a fairy tale. These things actually happen. This word is true. And I pray today that somebody here will choose to live. Right? It's an easy thing. How I many of you took a shower this morning? Right? Or maybe maybe got bath takers in here. Whatever the case, right? We, my point is, we get in water regularly. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, we, we do that on a normal basis. We get in water. Okay? Jesus made it easy. None of you had to go. There's no, um, there's no pen outside with some lambs in it. I'm going to make you go pay for a lamb and slain it in, in the parking lot and bring it in here. To no, we ain't got to do all that messy business. You, you're none of that messy business. Jesus did all the messy business for you. He literally went to a cross for you and I. He did the messy business for you. And then he allows us to substitute that blood, which is kind of gross. Anything that blows, it's just me that the blood thing gross y'all out? Yeah, I don't want no blood on me, not even my own. Right? But he, he, he allowed us to substitute water. Plain old water from Suez Water. That's our company. Right? right. To be applied. And it counts as blood when we do it in his name. When we're baptized in that glorious name, I, that's a whole other message right there, right? When we apply the name of our Savior, that name is important. Simple. Go down in that beautiful name of Jesus and come up new and you shall live. That's word. You shall live. Who don't want to live? And yeah, you're going to have to go to that grave once. But whenever that day comes, you go to that grave with a whole other attitude. See, when you don't know him, there's fear involved. When you don't know him, you know, you, you, you fear what's on the other side. You, you, oh, you know, and you, and, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm right with him or not. I don't know, I don't know where I'm going to leave here. Let me tell you something. When you obey the word of the Lord and you go down to that name of Jesus in baptism, right? Let me, let me, let me, let me throw something in here before I forget. You must repent. Baptism has to be preceded with repentance. And repentance ain't hard either. Right? It's not hard either. It's saying, God, I'm sorry. And you got to mean it. All the crazy things that we do, we all do them. We all got stuff. You know, we've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all, you know, uh, you know said wrong things about our neighbor. We've all, we've all done things that are not pleasing to God. But God said, if you repent and you decide to go a better way, you decide to go my way, and you go down in that water of baptism, Right? And let me wash away your sins. That's deep. Because I don't know about you, but at 25 years old, I came to the Lord, and I had a whole lot of sin at 25. I had a lot, you can rack up a lot of sin real quick. And y'all know that? You can rack up some sin in this world real quick. You don't even have to try. Most of us, I don't get up in the morning and say, ooh, what kind of sin can I do today? Right? <laughs> I've never woken up in the morning and thought, ooh, I'm going to really just jack up this day. 
I don't know if anybody else do that deliberately, but, it's not, but even when we don't do it deliberately, sin comes so easily. In fact, the scripture says the sin that so easily besets us. Right? This heart of ours is jacked. And if you think you got a good heart, well, denial just ain't in Egypt. <laughs> right? Speaking of Egypt, none of us have a good heart. Scripture says desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if you think you're right and you're without sin, well, that in and of itself is sin. Because <laughs> it's not the truth. You're not living in honesty. None of this is being up. Today I'm offering, I'm talking about life. So please don't take any of this as negative. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you this morning that you can put the slip on death. You can slip right this morning. No appointment necessary. That water is warm. Some of us didn't get the benefit of warm water. I went down that water about one or two in the morning. It was cold. But I didn't care because I want to live. I want to live. When I realized that my soul was at stake, when I realized that death was, was, was looming over me, when I, when I realized that, that I could miss out on being with this great God, oh, yeah, well, show me the water. Well, one o'clock in the morning, show me the water. I'm, I'm trying to get in here. In fact, I, I would get in here with my clothes on if I had to. I don't care because life is at stake. Love is at stake. God made a way for you and I to be saved. And first step, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me not to sin anymore. Show me a better way. Show me your way. And then wash away my nasty sins in this water baptism and just leave them there. And you come up new. We come up new. That, that resurrection that Jesus partook of, you too are partaking of. When you go down that water, that old man is dead, crucified, left, and it come, you come up new. I mean, want something new. Hallelujah. Who wants to live today? Who wants to live today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you sitting there and you thinking, man, I got some things going on in my life. You know, maybe you fearing death. Maybe you, maybe you, life has just beat you up. Maybe you are not free, as the song said. You know when you're bound. I knew when I came here I was bound. Ain't no church folk had to tell me that. I knew I had more issues than Ebony Magazine. I had issues. I was wrong. I was sinful. I was living a crazy life. I knew that. And you got to get real with yourself. You got to acknowledge that in yourself. I am a mess. And the standard that you judge yourself by is not about somebody else, but you judge it by the word of the Lord, which says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That's all you need to know that you're in that category. That's all you need to know. How can I live? Because the penalty for sin is death. I don't want to die. Not for eternity. I'll go to the grave, but I'm looking for what's on the other side of that. I'm looking for what's on the other side of that. Let's not be so small-minded here. Oh, what big deal? No, no, it's a big deal. Because all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. You know, you don't get to say, oh, well, I'll just stay asleep forever. You don't get that option. You're going to live again one place or the other. Again, I'm not fear-mongered. I want to offer you life today. God is offering you life. So if you haven't been down those beautiful waters of baptism, if you haven't been made new today, tap your neighbor and say, hey, how'd I do that? We got robes in the back. You don't even got to go home wet. We got blow dries. We got caps. We got all kinds of stuff. Whatever your, whatever your preference is, we got it for you today. You can come into this church like you came today, but you can leave new. You can leave clean. You can leave whole. God's blood is available. That blood of the lamb has made that salvation available for you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This altar is open. Let's come. You can pray in your seats if you like. Let's spend a little time talking to God. Repentance is always a good place to start. If you realize that you 
are falling short of the glory of God. If you realize that life is not what it should be. I'm telling you, the life that God offers is so awesome. It really, really is. You won't, and you won't really understand it until you get involved, until you take that first step. Spend a little time talking to Jesus this morning. Tell him all about it. He wants to rescue you today. He's not out to harm you. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to condemn you. He came to offer you life. Live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.